welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Oh my God, we did it. We made it through Thanksgiving. You're now over 350 days away from the next time you have to sit between a crazy uncle or a drunk Aunt Karen. I know it doesn't always seem like it, but there is a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful for you, dear listener. And I'm grateful that each and every week we get to talk to someone who puts a little more hope into the world with interesting perspectives on the issues of our times. It's true. And I'm contractually obligated to say that podcasts are making the world a better place. And it just so happens that today we are joined by the legendary Mark Marin, who has been podcasting, I don't know, basically forever. As always, I'm joined by my producers, Adam Howard and Sophia Baron-Reinstein. So podcast gals, Mark Marin's podcast is one of the earliest that I can really remember. What was the first podcast you ever listened to before you became podcast gurus with me? <laughs> Um, well, I, I feel like I, I missed the big first wave of podcasts. Like I, I missed the whole mm-hmm. serial thing and I was sort of late to okay. it. But the first one I ever listened to, I was actually going on a shoot for our show. I can't remember where, but someone had told me I should listen to Slow Burn about the Watergate thing. Oh. I'm a big history buff. I'm a big sort of, I get or history nerd, whatever. And I love that era. And it's like this super deep dive into everything Watergate related. And it has all this incredible archival sort of audio from the hearings and everything. And I think it was like eight parts and Mm -hmm. it just went into all the sort of nooks and crannies of that crisis. And there's been several more seasons. I think the now I'm promoting them too much, (laughs) (laughs) but like the new one is about the uh, Rodney Uh King beating and the LA riots, which is really good. Like they pick really great topics and, Mm -hmm. You know, and when it's you're almost done as good as this show, please listen to full release. <laughs> exactly. It's almost as good as our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I missed all podcasts. I don't know. I had, I had <laughs> right. just I had never listened to a podcast before we decided to do this one. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I should see what a, they're like. So I decided <laughs> I'd start listening to them on my commute to work. And then like two weeks later, we stopped commuting to work forever. <laughs> I have not listened to a podcast. Oh, so. my God. <laughs> wow. You're one and done. Yeah. Wow. I like this one. You really lot. don't listen to them? <laughs> no. This one's very good. I think it's a very good one if I do say so myself. I have no idea um, if we're doing gee, it right. I don't know. I think we're doing it right. I think uh, <laughs> I listened to one. I think so. I enjoy doing it. I I definitely listened to one this morning. I do listen to them in the car now. I was also not an early adopter, like just not at all early. I probably think, I think that Serial probably was the first one that I really listened to and and, and liked. Because other, other than that, I was like, oh, this is just like, this is just like ego. Like, I don't care. I don't want to <laughs> hear you just like that, ramble like, on. I just yeah. am always skeptical of new fads. So I think I kind of just assumed like by the time I started, they would be done. So like, I don't need to get into it. It'll be done. But I also had that thought about TikTok <laughs> and I think I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's some things that, I mean, like Marvel and Star Wars, some things are never done. I don't know that podcasts were going right. to be like, we've heard the last of those. Yeah. Reality TV, no, no, no. like all this stuff, you know. And you end up like separating the wheat from the chaff too. Like some of the, there's a lot of them out there, but not a lot of them are great. Some are great. Some are like medium and some are just awful. And then I tried to listen to one. I drive, I drive, cause I'm driving so much now. I'm just driving all over the place all the time. So I try to listen to them in the car and I tend to like the more informative ones over the conversational ones, such as, such as this one. <laughs> but I get, this is to me is like, and I, I do listen to Mark. I, I do listen to Mark Maron, who is the today's guest, which is so exciting. Um, and I do, I really do, because that level, it's like a kind of a, it's a very 
very interesting and comprehensive level of conversation. But I do find a lot of them over, there's like a little bit of an overproduced feeling to a lot of them now mm-hmm. where it's just like, Sound of it. It's almost sounding like a zoo crew, like a like a morning news crew, zoo crew. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, Sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's why we stopped dubbing your voice in for this one. That's great. Yeah. I'm just gonna. You just have we a have robot. An actor actually playing you. Yes. We're gonna have foghorn oh sound God. effects. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Ooga. Ooga. That's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good. Okay, don't go anywhere because we have Mark Marin coming right up. Joining me today is comedian, actor, interviewer extraordinaire Mark Marin. You know Mark from his decades of stand-up comedy and comedy specials and for his acting, from roles in films like Joker and Respect and TV shows like Marin and Glow, which I loved. And I miss, he has been nominated for numerous awards, and his podcast, WTF with Mark Marin, was recently awarded the much-deserved inaugural Governor's Award by the Podcast Academy. There's a Podcast Academy? Incredible. We are so happy that he has joined us. So welcome to the show, Mark Marin. What's happening? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Are we going to talk like this the whole time? We're going to talk like this the whole time. Oh, that'll make We're going to really draw it out. Time fly by. I know. How are you? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I'm awake. Good. I, you know, I don't sleep much. I get up early, do a lot of things. I try, I yeah, I uh you know, at at the high level of show business that I'm operating at, uh, yeah, which oh, is Oh, yes. I mean, you understand, you know. But I of course. I uh I I opt to not have any help whatsoever in assistant terms and I do all the little things. <laughs> myself because what else am I going to do all day I I uh, I'm very occupied with a lot of uh, uh, small minutia total and I you know I live alone in this house so yeah there's no end to the minutia cat minutia no end to it food minutia laundry minutia just sitting around looking at things going like I should change that minutia it never it never ends right and then I do interviews and exercise wow I worked out this morning okay so what? How do you? I don't understand how you. Okay, all right. We have to talk turkey okay. here because you are you're a night perf, you're you're a day performer. Yeah, a night performer. Like when you're doing mm. stand up, you are you you have to adjust your body schedule. You have to be up late. That's a Kinda. nighttime job. How do you yeah. get up early? Do you always get up early, even if you did? I don't know when that before? happened or why. Uh, but uh, something happened. I, I mean, I was uh, I did I did the comedy store last night. I go out yeah. there almost every night, and sort of like it's been uh, interesting lately because I the there's there's such a zero fucks given happening thing with me right now that uh, okay. that uh, like the comedy's gotten very interesting. But yeah, you know, we can talk about that later. I don't yeah. know what it is, Samantha. I have a I I used to do a joke about it. I just get up at like five thirty or six and then yeah. lay there in and out of sleep. And I think that as you get older, I heard that you, you need less sleep. And I think the joke I used to do was if there, if there is a God, that's him saying, like, you might not want to miss this. There's not a lot of time left. So time to get up. I think that's 100% true. <laughs> yeah, time to get, get up, get at it. There's not much. Every, the, the clock is ticking. Yeah. So get up, have a single egg. Like my grandfather used to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm. It was lunchtime by 9. He was like fully into yeah. a chicken sandwich, but he would get up a single slice of like a single strip of yeah. bacon like half nice egg. 
and he was, that was it? 16 cups of Not Sanka, Sanka. And Good. off he goes. Yeah, that was that's breakfast. Sanka. I get up a little, uh, I get up and I don't know when it happened, at what point in my life I shifted from sort of like, uh, you know, kind of completely sort of paralyzed with dread, you know, notebook in hand, wandering around all day guy. I guess once I had jobs and things to do, it changed. But I, like, I get up, I had a woman, there's this woman that started coming over during the uh, pandemic and training me on my porch and, and that's kept going. So I do that three times a week. So I was at 7.15, I was training. Great. In my yard. This is good. This is fitness. This is good. What does that mean, training? Like what kind of, what are you like throwing, whipping kettlebells no, around? I'm, I'm, or I'm old. Jumping jacks? And I'm not trying to. Okay. I did do some jumping jacks today though. <laughs> Those are, you know what? That's a classic, like that's yeah. like a Jack LaLanne classic old exercise, old yeah. school, and they yeah. work great. Warmed up. Warmed up with the jumping jacks. Good. I just do like kind of, it's sort of like some version of circuit training, you know, three sets. Sure. Uh, in a row of uh, a few different things twice mm -hmm. and uh you know not it's uh, yeah, i'm not trying to get ripped i'm just trying to stay uh relatively <laughs> engaged you know i'm not yeah you know, i'm not days, i'm not over yeah compensating the, for anything the days for ripping it are they're they're over my husband well, bought a book recently it was like how to get a banging body i'm like babe banging yeah, bodies are <laughs> the yeah. ship has sailed yeah That's if fine. you don't give a shit why should he <laughs> Uh, um, I was just, oh my God, I just listened to like, just listened to your Kenneth Branagh episode. Oh, that was exciting, wasn't it? It was really exciting. It was a really good episode. I loved it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what was happening because I had passed judgment on the guy years ago. Sure. And made a decision about who he was and is. I did too. Yeah. And then he gets here. And he's all sort of like, he's kind of vulnerable. You know, he, he mm -hmm. can't really hide himself when you're talking to him. And he was yeah. just lit up. And I just sat here going, what is happening? Because he just, yeah. I didn't, I, it just kept getting higher and higher and like, you know, more in, intense. It was quite a performance. He was great. And I, and, and you were great. It was just, was, it's just a really rollicking interview. And I like, I cried, you know, when he was describing when the his father? dad died. Well, yeah. I just was in tears in the car. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm I watching him do that. It was performative. What? You know, it's like it's, it's, it's like one of the great stage actors doing that weird moaning he was doing. Right. And he's doing it like right there. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a good show. This is really intense. This is yeah. an excellent. Did you give him like $150 after? He was like, yeah, please a, take a, this. Thank you for this uh, very uh, exclusive <laughs> theater production of totally. your one-man show in progress. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. So you what? have people back in your, you have people back in your little Yeah, studio. we've kind of made it essential again. We've kind, we're kind of like not doing Zooms unless it's, you know. Right. Uh, I, I think the exceptions are like, unless it's Meryl Streep. Right. Or, uh, unless it's, you know unavoidable like today right. i got to talk to peter jackson okay. and he's in wherever he is new zealand uh -huh. so that's you know i can't be like no he has to come over fly right. him in you could <laughs> get on a plane god yeah. damn it yeah at what point did you make i don't know which interview you made the transition like at what point did you have to decide because it is so it is really different because you're like dividing because i'm looking at you right now but when i'm yeah. looking at you i'm not really you're not seeing my eyes i'm kind of looking down because the computer is, we're kind of. I can of, connect. I can see it. Yeah, it is different though. It would be nicer no, I to got, be in person. Right. I got. I got pretty good at it out of necessity. The Zoom mm -hmm. thing, and I and I. I think we've gotten 
over the pandemic, we got some pretty great interviews and some yeah. of them with people that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Right. You know, there, there are, there's a few women like Jodie Foster that would never have happened in the real world. Right. And I'm not even sure Nicole Kidman would have either. Mm. And the great thing was, is they were they're You know, they can they're at home. They're wearing sweats or whatever. Right. They're, they're, they're kind of bored. They want to talk to people. So there was a quality to the conversations that were happening that I was able to do once I figured out. I mean, if you stay vigilant and you stay on top of it with somebody on this format, I mean, you can you just have to hold them. But you right. never know if there's someone else in the room like the first like I, I think I had to do Kate Blanchett twice because something got fucked up. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, like you're talking to somebody and then like her kid just creeps in the frame. I'm like, why is there a kid there? Right. I mean, like the, you. <laughs> right. The, you don't have any control over them isolating themselves in their house. And right. you, you don't know how many people are just off camera. Sure. And that's distracting. But. Right. Yeah, I got used to it. But the question is, when do we start? I was doing certain people. There were some people during the pandemic, mostly comics late in the pandemic that were like, you know, fuck it, I'll come. Uh-huh. And, and you know, I had a plexiglass thing. If that made people feel safe, I'd open the windows. Right. Uh, this was even pre, pre-vax, but, you know, but we were all getting tested. Mm-hmm. So there was a few people that would come in person about two thirds of the way through the pandemic. Okay. And then once the vax has happened, you know, I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, let's just do it. And yeah. people will come over with their masks and they're like, mask. I'm like, you know what? I mean, what are we, you know, no, let's go. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, I mean, we, you can, but I mean, I'm vaxxed and boosted and most of the people that come over vaxxed and boosters. And I have a whole bunch of uh, home COVID tests that I'll do because I've been going out on the road for the last yeah. three or four months doing comedy in the real world. And I don't know, man, I did it with sort of a vengeance, you know, in reaction to the amount of, of paralyzing fear we were all in for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's an aggressive uh, nature to my, you know, being out in the world. I just yeah. went to New York for the first time. Last I know. Week. What was that experience like? Like, was this when you were in New York last week? Yeah. What was? Did you notice? Did you feel like the city felt different? How was performing on a? Because you were at the town hall. Yeah. Yeah. Like big yeah. town hall. How was? How was that show? Was it was it, great. Did it feel it, great? Yeah, it was great. The, being in New York was great. Yeah, because like I lived there, you know, for years. So like, if yeah. you have that template in your head, like if you are somebody that's lived there and knows how that that city operates, and you can operate within it, you know, you kind of lock right back in, and that energy is amazing. It's electric, right? But I mean, I was surprised that people are everywhere, you know, and people are, you know, they're doing the masks kind of, but like it seems like the vaccine rate is pretty high, and that people are sort of through the tunnel in New York. And I I was fine with that. I'll wear the mask in the elevator or in going yeah. into and show my vax card. I don't give a shit. I was right. just surprised like uh, that it was so electric because I think there's also like, you know, we're done with this shit energy. You know, people are like, we're, you know, let's go. Yeah. You know, and I don't necessarily think that's terrible. We went to the Whitney Museum. We went down to that new museum. We went and saw jazz at uh, Dizzy, Dizzy's Club at Lincoln Center. And the shows were good. We drove... I had a show two nights before in Richfield, Connecticut at the Richfield Playhouse, 500-seater. Yeah. And I rented a car in the city, which is always weird to rent a car in the so middle weird. of New York. Yeah, And it's always so expensive and it's a crazy process. I don't, I don't know. I don't pay attention. I don't have any yeah. kids or any debt. So okay. it's just sort of like, I'll just, I, you know, I'm not going to be like, I don't know. I could get I this cheaper know. for $40, $40 less at another place. $200. Uh, Let me just price check this. Yeah, I can't do it. No. I, yeah, maybe. I guess that's, I, I'm, I'm, I, there's a certain entitlement to it, but whatever. But it was exciting to drive. Yeah. I used to own a car in New York. When I first moved there, yeah, in like uh, the eighties, because I had to go up to New England to do sh- to make a living doing road right. comedy. Right. So I was down the Lower East Side with this VW Golf, 
and I and it was always getting broken into, and it just turns to garbage. <laughs> but there's right. there's nothing more exciting about like driving around New York City at night. We were coming back from Connecticut on the FDR like at eleven thirty, yeah. and it was like, oh my god, you know. Just, <laughs> And you, and you get it to the hotel. I get it to a parking space. I feel like I should have been taking a helmet off. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, you feel like such a badass. You're like, uh, I don't really drive. I keep a car in the city. We have like a house out of town and we live on the Upper West Side. So I end up actually driving quite a bit now. And now our studio is, oh, that's, sorry. that's you. I'm don't, sorry. You don't need to silence. Let it's, it go. Let it no, live. I do it all the time. That's part of the world we're living in. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but like dry, you you feel you do you feel like a race car driver like that was oh, I a loved close it. call like that, it's exhilarating it is actually exhilarating yeah and when we drove up we just got fortunate in that you know we drove up to Connecticut during the day because I didn't want to you know hit the traffic but it's really high fall there I mean like the leaves yeah. were just really doing it like it was happening mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get that out here and that's really the best time to be nice. in New England so we're driving up through Connecticut with all those colors and it was like. We, we 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 got lucky, you know. And I feel like places like Ridgefield are like COVID never happened. Like, not yeah. really, but like they. I don't know they, anything. They went about back to normal, place. really, really fast. They I don't were know. Like yeah. it's fine. I don't know it's anything about okay. it. I I just knew it's that uh, we were out to dinner somewhere, and it just I had that feeling. I, I had the feeling like none of these people were vaccinated, and if we're gonna get COVID, <laughs> we're gonna get it now. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Best best not to know. <laughs> yeah, there was it was like this barbecue place and I'm like, "Wow, I forgot that there are these pockets. You know, the East Coast, there's there's plenty of uh, rural types, you know, mm-hmm. in Connecticut, <laughs> New York, New England. Mm-hmm. It's just you it which is fine. I I you know, that's I cut my teeth in those places. I I don't have anything uh I have something against those people in in the abstract in a generalization mm-hmm. type of way, but you know, one-on-one I'm like, I get it. I I see who you are. Yeah. 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 Was this period the longest you've ever gone without performing stand up? Like this. Well, this yeah. I mean, period? during COVID, but it was it was weird. But to, real quick to get back to Town Hall, the interesting thing about Town Hall was I'd never played there. Oh, okay. And I like doing like I can sell tickets, and, but that's the right side. That's as big as I want to go. Like I've done Carnegie Hall, I've done the Beacon. Yeah. And this was is like about five hundred to to eight hundred smaller than both those rooms, a fifteen hundred seater. It's like that's you can still kind of make that intimate. And right. that was it was it was a sweet show. But the weird thing was, I've been working so much, mm-hmm. you know, on this set that like I'm doing a lot of good shows. The, the show in Ridgefield was wild. They're all different. I mean, I was in Ridgefield and I went out there with their schedule, like the book of who's coming to the Ridgefield Playhouse. Yeah. And I just did this horrendously cynical riff on show business and, you know, made fun of Art Garfunkel throughout the show as a callback, <laughs> you know, because I don't know why, but it, mm-hmm. it felt good. And But it was, that was a great show, you yeah. know, but, but Town Hall was exciting because in my mind, that's what I was working towards, you know. It's oh. not a special. It was like, that was why I was putting the set together, why I got my brain around doing the work again. Okay. Because during the pandemic, it was weird because, you know, outside of, you know, my, my partner passing away, and you know, in May of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So then there was just this period where, like, I really felt, even before she died, I was like... The, the 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 thought I had, which was weird, was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I need to do stand up at all anymore. I don't miss it at oh. all. And then and then I thought, like, maybe I'm all better. <laughs> you know, oh like, my god, <laughs> I'm cured. Exactly. Now I, I could just be happy. Yeah, I don't need to drag those people through my problems anymore. 
<laughs> oh my god that's so funny did you take like at the town hall show so oh, so i guess i have two questions did you go uh did you kind of go in an unexpected direction at that show or was it like how much how, i don't really know this the answer to this question how free form are you when you're on stage you're you're riffing on stuff like you're having, i try to make room for it living i invite yeah. it to happen uh you know okay. in in in, in it, it's something that makes it worth doing for me there's there's a mixture of things going on because but to get back to it it was the longest i'd never not performed i mean i've i've never gone more than two weeks without performing for my entire adult life you know since 19 whenever since the late 80s Mm -hmm. and it was just it's ingrained in me that's what i do yeah you know it's like it is you know where i live and it it was weird because i was sort of like i think i'm over stand-up but the the thing about the pandemic was no one was doing nothing yeah so there wasn't that weird spiteful like how who they're were they fucking doing it how how do you get that gig you know they're like so the the competitiveness that's innate Mm -hmm. and the idea that you're missing something was gone so it was relaxing and i wasn't going to do outdoor shows these people were doing you know drive-ins and shit i'm like i I, i'm not doing that right there's no way that's going to feel good at all it's not going to be proactive in any way i don't need the bread so i'm just going to sit those out but the the idea that no one was doing anything was relaxing right well how much do you feel that do you feel like you actually like at this because you know at this level of your career, you still look at others and go, why am I not? I should. Yeah. What's Don't he you? doing? What? I do. Yeah. I do. And it's fucking weird. It, it is. Really, it bothers me about yeah. myself. Me I too. hate it. Me too. Why can't we just be comfortable? We're okay. Yeah, we're well, totally the, fine. <laughs> well, the problem is like, I think it's, you know, it might have been easier to feel better about our place in the world at a different time. But now because of the way media works, you, you have this extra pressure of like, am I even relevant? Do people even give a shit? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm losing it. Why are more people talking about what I'm doing? You know, because we have this you know, multi platform yes. boundaryless universe. Yes. But the thing was, the weird thing was, you know, a week after people were able to do comedy at clubs, you know, with protocols mm-hmm. and masks. I was like, I was there. I was doing it. Right. And I didn't even know if I had it in me. And I, and it's documented. Someone was shooting a documentary about me. I don't know what that looks like. I, he, I, he, I always seem to see the camera right when I was throwing someone under the bus. Oh, great. But, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Everyone, everyone under the bus. I've got some part of me that's come back. You know, I, I thought I'd gotten rid of that, but now I'm like, you know, fuck that guy. You know, like, but, uh, but uh, where was I going with this? Oh, I built an hour and a half of new material right. with starting from nothing in May. And um, and the process of improvising is how I work. Like, my process is not, I don't have a joke writer. I don't write jokes. I write a string of ideas. I was doing a lot of live uh, Instagram lives during the lockdown. Okay. And I amassed this interesting following of disgruntled middle-aged women who now come to the shows and they drag their, their friends <laughs> or their husbands to the show. So it's usually an audience... There's about a third of it is like these aggravated women and another third of the people who are sitting next to them going like, this is the guy, you know, and then and then there's my regular fans. <laughs> my God, how did you amass a collection of disgruntled middle-aged Because I was podcasts? doing these live Instagram. Oh, the Instagram. Like during the pandemic, it was keeping me engaged. So I'd wake right. up at like 630 in the morning and it, it almost had segments to it. I'd, I'd play around with my cats. I'd play records. Yeah. Sometimes I'd show them what was in my refrigerator. I'd sit on my porch and talk and ramble. And, you know, there was anywhere from 500 to 1,100 people watching live in the morning. Okay. And then by the end of the day, they'd get twenty to 30,000. And these were hour and a half things wow. that people 
So there was a, I was providing some sort of service for myself right. and for them. I was keeping my brain active uh-huh. and engaged with an audience because I'd, I'd react to comments. But also, like, I think I was bringing comfort to people who were, who were isolated during the pandemic. Right. So, so there was a real uh, uh, a kind of bond there with, with a lot of people. It wasn't, it's not just women, but there are a lot of women. But then it gets to a point where, you know, where you realize, like, okay, I've been doing this like a year. Right. And, like, and, and I, I started to feel beholden to them and that, like, I had to keep doing it even though I was played out. Right. And and there's a point where you realize like you there are regulars on Instagram. It's like and all of a sudden you know like six or seven of these women by name, you know, because <gasps> of their comments and stuff. And I'm like, that's kind of odd. And then you got to deal with all the parasocial interactions where I couldn't, t- I can't tell you how many people I had to say like, you don't, you know, I'm not talking directly to you. Right. Like they would DM me, and it, it re- became clear that after a certain point, you know, we're realizing that this interface with with um, with technology and the brain, that our brains are a lot more softer than we thought. And it's really fucking with people in a profound way because there were people I had to say, like, w- this, I'm not talking to you. Oh my God. Yeah. People like think they a know lot, you. Dude, a lot. Well, they do kind of know me, but it's one sided. Yeah. And it's like there were some people that sort of like, I know, I know what you were talking, what you're talking about because it, you were talking directly to me. And I'm like, I'm not. And I, and these are seemingly people with lives and stuff. So right. something breaks down in this interface. There's a real problem with it. Uh-huh. I think there's a spectrum of it, you know, that goes from just being pimped out by the algorithm and, you know, buying shoes for reasons you don't really understand because it was planted in your head and, and, you know, and full on, you know, uh, you know, the election was stolen. Right. You know, I mean, again, there's a spectrum from, from buying shoes to, you know, there's a pizza parlor in DC where they, right. you know, sacrifice children, <laughs> right. you know, right. but it's the same spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's doing the same thing to the brain. It's just either you have. A, a, a certain amount of discipline around the, or vigilance about what you let in and how you process or you don't have that anymore. Right. What an interesting, like, have you, there's no other real medium where you would be interacting with people on that individual basis. Is there, I mean, like when you're at a club or something, you're kind of like talking to people at the club, but that's like very, that seems very intense to me. It is. It's all intense. And it's weird because like, you know, we got to find balance in their in our lives because yeah. most people's lives is in their phone. I mean, that's their mm-hmm. life. Like, if you really look at your day to day, it's sort of like, all right, I you know, I ate my yogurt, you know, I fed my cats, mm-hmm. you know, I exercised. I mean, that compared to you know, locking into your phone and just jacking your brain on endorphins right. for three hours, you know, as 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 a reality, it's a there's definitely a a, a disconnect. So, like, that's. Can you put it down? Like, are you able to walk away from your? Oh yeah, phone? yeah, like, can yeah. You, you can just I'm, like, I'm, yes, it. I'm highly aware of it. I'm, I'm so close to just like dumping my Instagram page because like it, right? It, it, I don't. What is it? And I'm old, and I want to enjoy my life. But going to New York, it was sort of like, and and also going on the road as much as I have been, and, and engaging with people and doing live audiences. Like, right. we can't let that get boring. Like that has to stay essential. Right. But like we're at some sort of weird precipice where people would sort of like, do I really have to go to the thing? You don't have to go anywhere. But right. I think we're going to it's going to be dangerous if it's sort of like, yeah, I don't want to, you know, because it is you know, it's people interacting. It's important. You know, you got to smell, f- smell the smells and, you know, well, you will do smell the, the smells in New York yeah, City. Sure. There are a lot of smells to smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. But the. Yeah. But the riffing thing, that's how I write. Like, I'll, I will get ideas, yeah. list them out, and then I'll, I'll sort of do a residency at a small theater here 
or wherever. Mm -hmm. And I'll just improvise for an hour. I used to do it for a cheap ticket, but the theater seemed to pay and people seemed to enjoy to watch me ramble on. And that's how it eventually evolves through a series of long improvisations and thinking out loud and, uh, you know, working with an audience around it. That's the process for me. Will you, um, when you have a show, when you have like an hour, hour and a half, yeah. hour and 15, do you automatically go, okay, well, when we'll film it, we'll put it, we'll, th- we'll put it no. up on, we'll, we'll film it. I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, this was, I was working towards town hall. Sometimes I'm working towards a special six months down the line. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's mm-hmm. going to film this or what's going to happen, but you know, I'm going to tour, I guess, with it a little more, uh, uh, a bigger tour in January. I was primarily doing, I was doing actual sort of comedy clubs in red states where I don't, I'm not concerned about doing a bigger venue. So I was doing like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I did, uh, you know, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday up in Bloomington, okay. uh, Indiana. I did Phoenix. I did Denver. And just, you know, doing the real club work. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a, a couple of small theaters and, you know, just working out here at Dynasty Typewriter, which is a small black box theater. Mm-hmm. But the, in terms of a special, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I would like to get it in the box. in the in the Because like what happens with, as much as I like to improvise, once I get these you know, these bits that start to evolve, like I've gotten off on, I didn't used to when I was younger, but I like kind of really working something that's really funny. Right. And, and just kind of, kind of keep, you know, kind of making it funnier. Like I have these pieces right now that are, yeah, I think I'm doing some of the best work I've ever done, but uh, but I like honing shit. I didn't right. used to. I like it now. Though. Boy, I loved End Times Fun oh, so thanks. much. I mean, yeah. I like, loved it, and that it was feels tight like it, it was so. It was great. I mean, listen, they were all great, but that really, I don't know. There was something in it that just like went drilled directly into like hit me right where I was living in yeah. that moment. Oh, good. And then, it was like, well, you know, end times are near. And then it came out a month before COVID. I know. Are you like a fucking, you're like an oracle. It's crazy. And it was a, <laughs> thank crazy. you. It was a choice though, you know, like, like right now, like some of the things I'm thinking about, if and when I get a special, I don't know when it's going to tape. So I have to make sure that I have at least 50 to 60 minutes of relatively evergreen stuff, right? Right. But going into end times, you know, in the world we were living in, I didn't know how it would pan out, but I didn't see any way around speaking to the 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 the, the, the problems we were facing mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, people that were engaged and concerned uh, and not crazy. Right. Uh, so it was all fairly topical. You know, like as great as that, you know, operatic Pence, you know, blowjob bit at the end, um, you know, like it was relative to a time, but I thought that was necessary and I got lucky with when it dropped and how it dropped right. and, you know, what it, you know, the, the sort of slight idea of prophecy about, you know, climate change and disease or whatever. Right. But like now, I mean, not that things are a lot better, but they are, they do seem to be leveling a little bit. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, it's people, it's, it's so interesting, all these people that are, you know, libertarian, free thinky you know, conspiracy guys are so like such uh, in need of of aggressive leadership. These people that are sort of like do live your own life. It's like we got a shitty leader. It's like I thought you guys were the live your own life freedom guys. But (laughs) you really need some sort of dictatorial idiot to sort of make you feel (laughs) validated in your dumb uh, point of view. Like for me, like what's going on now, it's like, you know, the presidency seem is a middle management position. And I just, mm-hmm. I just, I just need them to, you know, get the shop in order and a little grounded. And, you know, hopefully I, I don't have a lot of hope. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, 
But anyways, the timing, yeah, was good on that one. And the I timing think, was perfect. And I think End Times Fun is a good representation of everything I've ever done in my life in comedy. Do you think, oh, well, that's a that's big. Well, it's like every, <laughs> yeah, that's all the things, pretty, yeah. all of my yeah. influences are in there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a style of comedy in that final bit that was sort of a, a callback to a, a style I was more engaged with in the 80s. You know, some sort of mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, kind of... Um, you know, uh, there, there, it was sort of a a, 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 a nod to Bill Hicks that last bit, and you know, just stylistically, and you know, there, and I, I know where the subtle sort of nods are to people in that thing, my influences, and and also all the work I've done. Okay, so doing that special and then rolling right into a global pandemic. Do you feel like did the pandemic change the way you view your fellow Americans? Did it change? It, it it did for me. I like. I mean, it really did for me. In what I way? Mean, in the sense that I I can't believe that we couldn't come together on making a small sacrifice for your neighbor. Like right. the the notion of like creating herd immunity and like kind of harnessing this. Oh, you incredible mean science. around the vaccine? Like getting vaccinated around the vaccine in particular, or even masks. just masking? Yeah, actually yeah. masking at the start. I was, it was so clear to me that like right away that masking was going to be really effective and really helpful and other countries mask all the time. Like if you feel sick, you put a mask on so that you don't bother other people. I don't, I think that these people got turned out, you know, by, you know, uh, these, um, I always forget what, uh, what you call these, these, you know, these, um, culture wars, you know, these, uh, yeah. that, that, you know, once it became politicized and people were angry mm-hmm. and, and, and hopped up that, you know, they just allowed their brains to be used by, you know, grifters and right. political anglers who were living in different worlds than they were. And I think something has happened and I, and I, and I, and I'm not particularly empathetic uh, with this, I've been doing a bit about that, you know, about people who whose brains have broken bad in the sense of of conspiracy and and belie- and this, you know, where they get their information. Right. That's all part of this engagement with technology. But but I, I the joke I do, it's like I know you have these people in your family, but they're not coming back, and and you it, they they're it's they're gone forever. That's that's their brain now. Right. And I I think there is a danger in in engaging empathy around them there because. In order to be empathetic, you have to put yourself in, in their shoes. And, and I, you know, that's risky because you could be in their shoes for an hour and be like, you know what? This does make sense. So, yeah. <laughs> right. right. Like if you play a character who's just too evil or like if you play a character, I feel like some, you know, I feel like some like right wing comedians in a lot of ways, like some of those like super like yeah. right wing. They don't see people. themselves as right wing, though. I think a lot of them. They don't. But there's a character. I think there was like an ironic, yeah. like a, kind of like an ironic detachment for some of them for so long. And they played that character for so long, it became real for them. They just started to just like live. I guess so. I, I think what was most disappointing is just how, look, man, you know, however we, any of us get our information, you know, it, you know, in whatever you check in, there's always something else going on. You know, right. I know what conspiracy feels like. I, you know, when I was younger, and probably a little more like, you know, tending towards you know, some sort of mild uh, borderline personality disorder. You know, I was, you know, I engaged in conspiratorial thinking before it was popular. It was more lefty back then. Um, but, but, you know, I understand what it does to your brain. 
and and why you know it makes you know it makes stupid people feel smart right. and you know and also like there's this closure there's a dogma to it there's a a worldview around it that satisfies being connected to something bigger than ourselves you know but the idea that you're being used or you're being led or that you're being you know kind of uh brainwashed um yeah all, all this stuff you can analyze it as it cutting both ways but what disappointed me most was how most pe- the pe- brains are really vulnerable right. and and we don't know like the all the power and energy and technology and momentum that goes into you know us engaging with this technology and what comes into our brains we don't know you know how to protect ourselves so there there's a shallowness that right. bothered me right that like that that a lot of people i think are fundamentally disengaged uninterested mm-hmm. and and when they are fed something that satisfies a certain anger or feeling of just self-justification or righteousness they get they 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 feel emboldened and unashamed and and smart but they're they're not they're 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 sort of being used right. so that and this is a sensitive reading of it you know there's another part of me that's like yeah fuck all these idiots right <laughs> right right i definitely you know, years, like I've been doing Full Frontal for many years now. This is like yeah. we're going into the seventh season. But right at the beginning, even way back then, yeah, my parents had like friends who were like, well, can you just ask Samantha how much she gets paid every time she says something about Hillary Clinton? Yeah. And they were serious. And they really literally thought that I, like every time I You're mentioned on the her dole. name or whatever, yeah. I was on, I would get a uh, check being for paid. $25. Right, right, right. Yeah, like yeah, $25 yeah. every time I said yeah, her name. Right. And I was like, what is going on here? This can't be, I'm hearing it from multiple angles. Who is saying what? <laughs> and, and they don't know the real thing that's going on. I mean, like yeah. for, for, for people who claim to be educated and engaged politically to not but but there's it's, it's twofold like for them to not realize that this momentum around you know right wing takeover of state governments has been going on for for decades right. and now they have you know full reign and now they in full entitlement and you know no one's ashamed of anything anymore and the thing is is that if if people aren't engaging in tolerance you know tolerance is the lubricant of democracy so if you no longer have to be tolerant right then you know there's a real problem and, and but the Republican takeover, the radicalized Republican takeover of all these state governments. I mean, this is a, a legitimate fascist movement or authoritarian movement towards undermining democracy. Now, mm-hmm. and it's right there on paper. There's no, you know, it's a fact. Right. So if all these smart people who are like, man, you don't get it, you know, you get where are you getting your information, don't acknowledge that. Or there's the other side of it, which is they're on board with it. That's the thing that I think Americans have a hard time realizing. It's like there are shameless defenders of autocracy in our midst. They right. don't want them. They're done with liberal democracy right. and they're not hiding it. It's like we're this. We want the single party thing and <laughs> right. they want we it. Need, we just need a macho leader. That's okay? right. They Can want we just... it. They want it. And why are we special? Almost every other fucking country in the world has been through this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, for, I'm sure all the other countries look at us and go, oh, you're so young. Exactly. That's so sweet. It's finally happening. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> you little babies. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to take a fucking long it's time to figure bad this out. time and neighbors yeah. are going to kill neighbors. Good. Have a good time. Oh, God. Oh, God damn it. Do you think that when you, what, oh, my goodness, how did you process the riots on the, the incursion on January 6th? How did you watch that? Did you, did you watch that? on television as it unfolded 
Well, it's like all you know. It's, it's all terrifying and heartbreaking, and yeah. and but the the powerlessness around it. I mean, I think the one thing we learned from you know th- this this last administration was that like you know there's way too much shit that's just like sort of a handshake deal. Totally, everything's just like I'll do this and you do that, and then we just pat each yeah. other on the back and go get a right. Tonic. How much of it was built on norms? was yeah. a little disconcerting like you know this guy didn't give a fuck you know because of his personal narcissism and his fairly you know intuitive desire and and will to be uh, an autocrat in this government mm-hmm. he was able to dismantle the whole fucking thing inside 4 years with people who were on board with it and it it, it really seemed like there are no safeguards to this shit it's fragile mm-hmm. And there seems to, I think we need some uh, some stuff on, some, some things need to be done on paper that would stop some of this shit. I think we need some stuff on paper too, and I don't feel like we're going to get it. I don't think, I don't think the process to getting all that good stuff codified is really happening. There's just, no yeah, political and, will. And after that January 16th, where I realized like, you know, I think there were people there mm-hmm. that would have killed people in Congress. I think so. Oh, like, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think you can't underscore that. Like, you know, a bunch of mm-hmm. angry idiots breaking into the Capitol is terrifying. And it, it made it's it made it it was so dirty. Uh, and, and, you know, the sort of like I had this, you know, I, I, I mean, my respect for institutions and for the government is what it is. It's it's relative. But to see these fucking, you know, just these meatheads and aggravated dumb shits you know, sitting at you know Pelosi's desk like they they won something was was it was just disgraceful and disgusting yeah. and un-American. Yeah. And but but realizing like there were a couple cats there, you know, with the with the the tw- with the sort of uh, handcuffs and 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 well armed. There were there were people oh, yeah. who were what were ready to do serious shit. Uh, take hostages mm-hmm. and make demands and and possibly kill people. And yeah. I don't know what would have happened then, but it was very close to a a real, uh, maybe successful coup. And I, I think to to look at it any other ways is, is wrong. So we're not going to end on a hopeful note, like for democracy. That's okay. We don't have to. <laughs> I don't feel hopeful. I'm very worried about. I'm fucking worried about it all. Well, I look, man. I mean, I've been doing like. I've been doing a bit like it's sort of a, a, a continuing theme, you know, from end times fun where I'm like, you know, look, I don't have any hope, mm-hmm. but I do have a certain faith in people's ability to adapt because that's what we do. Right. And that's what we do as animals. And I'm sure uh, many of you are going to be fine with authoritarianism as long as, it, you know, you don't lose any of your streaming services right. and you can still eat where you want to eat. You'll be like, I don't know. I don't really feel it. And then one day you're going to be like, Why, where are they taking the neighbors? You know, um, right? Like, just come in here. We're watching a documentary on Hitler, but uh, but then you know, and also environmentally, it, it's only going to be a matter of time before you're going to hear people say, like, you know, yeah, 130 is not that hot. You know, once you get out in it, you just don't stay out past the allotted time. That's all. So, <laughs> oh, don't just don't be there at like noon. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you can't yeah, because yeah. you won't be alive. That's so right. You right, definitely yeah. have to go inside and bring your just water like pack. That. Bring your water pack. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my <laughs> I, god. I, I, okay. I think I think that you know it's not ironic. Like when I like I will open my shows by saying, oh, "Look, I don't want to be negative, but." I don't think anything's ever going to get better ever again. Right. You know, and 
And people laugh, but it's that laugh of like someone saying it and this might be real. So like, where do you go from that place? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that I'm focused on processing the, the actual trauma and of, of being terrified every day for a year and not knowing what was going to happen, you know, kind of trying to take some wind out of that through jokes and, and also about acknowledging where we're at and not kind of, you know, dumbing it down or trying to enter, entertain people out of it. It's, it's, that is the line to ride. Well, you know what? I, I want to come back to that episode because you had such a great, yeah. I'm just gonna, I, the, the, your episode on cancel comedy was yeah. fantastic. And right. I actually would direct all of our, my listeners to listen to it because I found it, it provided context that I really previously didn't have. A lot of us didn't. It was so interesting. So it interesting. T- it and so- took a lot of wind out of it, man. And like a mm-hmm. lot of smart people were like, I had no idea. Why would yeah. we? No one gives a fuck about history anymore. Everything's happening all the time, all at once. Well, I, you know, a, a thing that you really talk about or that you really hit on is just the, the responsibility to shake up your act when it starts to get outdated. And I, yeah. I really loved, I don't know, I loved hearing you talk about it. Do you, do you get pushback from your fans for changing with the times? Like... No, because like, it's like, look, no one is like, you know, I'm a pretty dirty boy and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you, you know, and I'll definitely ride a line, mm-hmm. but it, it is not a line. The, there's no line to ride around, you know, making fun right. of, of, you know, of stereotypes or, or marginalized people. I just, it's not, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not even a saint. I'm, I'm kind of a bully, but I ain't going to do it that way. Right. You know what I mean? So, but, and I'm angry and I'm cynical, but I'm doing, a, you know, I'm doing a character on stage right now based on Rogan. It, it's just like, I think that if they're going to tribalize this game, you know, because like what's happening around some of these comics, they're, it's not, these aren't comedy shows, they're rallies right. and they're point of view rallies and they're, they're a big grift. The whole sort of like, I'm, I might get in trouble. You know, it's such a, a talk radio grift. It's not, it's not real. And none of the, and all of them have plenty of big audiences. Like they don't even give a fuck about regular show business. But for me, you know, now I have to assess that as a social phenomenon. I got into comedy because I didn't want to listen to anybody or work for anybody, not right. to be part of a goddamn team. And this anti-woke thing is just the new hack. I mean, right. now you've got a new generation of hacks who are sitting up there going like, I don't, you know, I shouldn't say this, but are trans people human? You know, so like you've got a whole generation of those idiots doing the same jokes, hacks. Mm-hmm. And now they they can just delude themselves by saying, well, you know why I don't get work? It's because, you know, I'm pushing the edge. You know, it's like, right. it's this woke <laughs> shit. It's like, no, you stink. No, you're really bad. You're not a good, these are not funny. And I used to say that because I was such a uh, an angry, shock-driven comic early on. I'm like, yeah, I'm just really... A, yeah. That's not it. That's not right. real. So right. evolving your act, I mean, certainly around language and around like, you know, just asking questions. I mean, look, it, you getting laughs being mean is, is it, it's real. It's great. It feels good to, you know, dump shit on people and make fun of people. It's it's exciting and it's horrible. It's like that weird, you know, excitement of like I should be crying but I feel so powerful. But but for me, there the line is not that. You know, we're we're in existential crisis. You know, it's really just it's in that the whole us and themness right. of wherever comedy is right now is weird and and a lot of these like I said a lot of these fans, they're not comedy fans. Right. They're 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 it all that stuff serves 
the right wing agenda. And I'm not saying that these comics are fundamentally, you know, part of this fascistic push. No, because they're not smart enough to be that. But what they're doing is serving a culture war point that is a distraction. Uh, So I have to assess all that. And then, I do feel like, like they're like a tool. They're just like a tool. Yeah, in but they the don't know. They are tools. The, they don't know it. They're tools. Yeah, they are also yeah, just tools. Both definitions. Yes. Uh. <laughs> did you ever think in your entire like in? The, did you ever? <laughs> there's no. I can't even believe I'm asking this question. Do you ever think we'd be living in a country that was like so influenced by Joe Rogan? <laughs> oh. I can't. I. But I don't know, like, like oh. I, I, I know that it, there is an influence there, you know, but I, you know, and I know that he has, you know, created this other media universe and yeah. he has a lot of people listening to them. But mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, he's, his model is basically the Alex Jones model with a little, like, they, I don't know how influence, I've never watched an entire show of his. I don't know what's going on there other than, you know, what I read in bits and pieces I see. I know why it's dangerous. Right. But it's very hard for me to understand people's social responsibility in the world we live in because I don't have, I'm not fundamentally a grifter. I'm not fundamentally uh, a guy who's running a racket. You know, I'm not fundamentally a, 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 a total bullshit artist for money. So I don't really know you know, what's narcissism, what, what is intentional. And, you know, but I do know that it's empowering a lot of people in a way that is, is dubious and dangerous. Right. And so I, I, I never knew I'd be living in a world where, you know, fascism is a, a pressing issue that no one seems to really be talking about in the right way. And, mm-hmm. uh, or authoritarianism, whatever you want to call it, that there, you know, this, ultra right wing trip. I never thought that that would, I never thought I'd be living in a country where I'm like, you know, we're, we're in trouble and I don't know if it's being addressed because we're all sort of in our own worlds. I never thought I'd be living in a country where it's like, Hey, my state is on fire a lot of the time now. Uh, like, so like I, I kind of wanted to get out under the wire with the end of the world thing, you know? So like I've been doing a bit about how I've changed my diet to whatever the fuck I want to eat because I want to I want to die um, in my own time, not at the same time as everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, feels like we're we're on the brink of we're a lot of things, and I don't a know lot of things. Yeah, you know, it's hard to put things into perspective because yeah. we're not all on the same page in any way, and everyone's got their own page. Literally, everyone has their own page. When you only do like an hour and a quarter and you, you're working it all out and you're like open, you're just like being open to the experience. What do you walk away? I guess, what's, do you have a post show thing that you do? Or like, do you, how, how does it resonate? Like, how does it rattle around in your body after? Like, I like when things work, but I like when, you know, I, I do, when something comes out that's never come out before, because I don't know how that happens. And that's right. how I kind of write. Like, I don't know why in that moment, you know, I kind of put myself in a position to have to be funny, but I like when things happen in a show that may never happen again. And I don't know where it came from, even if it's just a word or a beat, you know, like I did some riffing at town hall about, uh, I I don't know what the riff was, but I was talking about Jews and I was, you know, talking about dark comedy and how comedy helps us get through the darkest thing. And I, I said something about like, I'm surprised there's no Holocaust joke book, you know, uh, because uh, people would misunderstand it. They're like, that sounds anti-Semitic. And they're like, no, it's by Jews. They're Jews. They're jokes from the Holocaust. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it was kind of funny. 
Because you know there had to be a certain depth of humor that was you know had to be just uh, yeah. insane in the camps, right? I read Survival in Auschwitz, the, that uh, Primo Levi book. I mean, I know what they did to survive, but you know where are the jokes. I mean, you're talking right. about a bunch <laughs> of Jews smelling incinerating flesh every day. There got to be some bits. <laughs> where are the bits? Do you do you have like? Are you like? Well, when I was in like grade school, we were always like you know talking about bands, and we'd be like. Angus Young has to go sit in a white room by himself after every ACDC concert because he, I don't know, oh. it was just the rumor that we told ourselves at St. Vincent de Paul Love School. It. We were like, he has to go yeah. and he has to go to an all right, uh, like and he puts yeah. on a straight jacket all right. <laughs> and he sits on a cot yeah. and he has to calm down yeah, yeah. for like eight hours after he gets so much headband. Yeah. I remember seeing that movie, do? the doc, the, the movie, uh, the ACDC live in Paris movie when I was in college. Uh-huh. And he was, he was definitely running off in between solos and getting oxygen. Getting oxygen. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you like go out after your shows and like get a crepe or are you like, I got to you know, like, walk. I gotta... I just, yeah. I remember like after I did Carnegie Hall, which was a big deal, but I didn't think was my best show really. Mm-hmm. I meandered. It was very long. Uh, but like, it was just me. I, you know, my opener, Nate Bargatze, uh, you know, uh, he had, like at that time, I had not gotten off nicotine yet. And I just remember, like, he was doing those skull uh, packets, like the, yeah. you know, the dips. Yeah. And I was like, he just, I'm like, let me have one of those things. This is like right after on the street. Oh, and he just oh gave my me, God. He just gave me a bunch of them because he had an extra, like, he, so he gave me his tin of skull packets. And I'm like, thanks, oh. man. So I like, I, I remember I just put a, a big just dip packing in. packing it in your... Well, yeah, but they're in packets. It's not loose. But I just like oh, okay, the nicotine. Okay. So I put one of those in my mouth, and me and my buddy Tom Sharpling just walked like 30 blocks down from okay. Carnegie. <laughs> and, and that was that. The other night, you know, I went out because my mom and my aunt were there, and my uh, agent, manager, and booking agent, they wanted to go out to dinner. So I went out to dinner, and they ate a lot of gross okay. food. But generally, I don't know. I like slipping back into the world, you know? I've always liked that. Yeah. I remember when I did my first evening at the improv, I... You know, in it was in you know when they had the improv down in Santa Monica. Like I remember, it was 1989. I got you know a crappy hotel with a woman I was with at that time, and I I remember I bought a shirt that I never you know, really wore again that day to wear on the evening at the improv, and we took a bus back to the hotel after the show. <laughs> Just like in my first TV appearance, I'm sitting there with people that you know kitchen workers and stuff, and I'm like. I just did my job. <laughs> that's my job. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I do. don't have any assistance. I yeah, just exactly. do it. I just yeah. get on the bus. You get on the bus. What else, man? Right I'm just a, I'm a worker among workers, man. <laughs> it feels like you, you know, your your career is so widely varied. You've just done everything. You're to have this incredibly successful podcast that we all look to. Now we're you're just like the you're like the papa of oh, podcast. Everyone's like, nice. oh, Mark Mill, yeah. President Obama. Like, you know, yeah. it's re- really revered and it's I'm, a great I'm happy. and amazing I mean, it's, it's a very yeah. cluttered field now. I always ask people, like, how did you learn to interview people? Like, how did you know that you wanted to, <clears throat> is that from your radio I don't day? Know. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I, well, nah, I don't know. I mean, there was a period in my career early on where there was an idea that I might host a talk show. Okay. And when I, you know, but I, I, that's a different type of interviewing. Mm-hmm. I always appreciated, you know, long form interview, but I, I don't, I didn't listen to anybody. I never listened to Stern. To this day, I don't think I've listened to a whole episode of Stern. Oh. But I think what happened was, it was some sort of weird combination of like knowing that I was good at radio from doing Air America for a couple of years that I yeah. took to the medium. Like I knew I had those chops. And when mm-hmm. we started the podcast, it, you know, it was varied and it wasn't what it turned out to be. But then it just became almost like, um, 
like I I kind of think in some ways the way I started to interview people is sort of rooted in in AA almost that there's oh. this idea in AA where you know it's just it, being sober is just about you know, one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic uh-huh. uh you know as opposed to drinking listening mm-hmm. and talking to save your life Right. So, you know, and that was what it was like, you know, I'm not drinking, you're not drinking, you know, what are you feeling? You know, we're, you know, we're doing this together. So there was a, a the, the early interviews just were revolving around me sort of trying to get out of my bitterness and my cynicism from, you know, looking down the barrel at, you know, a life as a sort of B room headliner that didn't, wasn't able to sell tickets and also, you know, being, you know, recently divorced and pretty, you know, kind of shattered. Mm-hmm. And also knowing that, like, I had gotten bitter and, you know, uh, and sort of estranged from the comedy community and, and that I felt like I owed apologies to a lot of people. So the combination of that, you know, in the first hundred or so episodes, it's really me trying to, you know, re-engage with people I kind of knew, apologizing to some, mm-hmm. and basically talking to, you know, celebrities about my problems. I mean, that was how it started. And... <laughs> and- <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it evolved <laughs> from that, it, that there became a way right. of conversing. So it's not I don't I don't see them as interviews. If I have to interview somebody, it's terrible. So, right. like, I have to I, I really have to be able to get into a conversation right. fairly, you know, at, at some point. And a lot of times it doesn't start to happen till a third of the way through till a half hour in, you know. But the people that come that used to come expecting to be interviewed, it was. It was such a drag, you know, when people right. sit there and like, all right, what are you going to ask me? I'm like, nah, this oh, is going to be no. bad. <laughs> Where were you born? Yeah. <laughs> so I still get an active amount of dread of like whether I'm like, if you listen to that Brano thing, I got a judgment of that guy. And, you know, I just mm-hmm. start off like, where you at? What are we doing? How's it? And, you know, what'd you eat? Whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. But then like, you know, it became a conversation. I mean, that's all I'm yeah. hoping for. And, you know, if yeah. you can get... You know, a nice half hour to 40 of that out of an hour, you know. Right. Like when you're leading with your own curiosity and you're like, what's this fucking guy like? Yeah, yeah. What's he made of? Yeah. Now, prove to me that you're not what I think you are. Right. <laughs> it is your job to yeah. comfort me yeah, in this yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, because I've got this idea of you and I don't want it to be true. Or, it may, or I think it is true. I have battled people over that where they were up against what I thought they were. It's an interesting thing. but it, oh, And I don't really talk about it. Because with public people, you have opinions based on feelings sure. about you know whatever the hell they do. But you don't know them. But you're right. walking in with sort of like, no, this is that guy. And then like almost <laughs> always I'm wrong. You know, there's so right. much more to people. You know, people are very complicated. They're very complex. Almost everybody is, even dummies. But they've sort of, a lot of them have lost touch with whatever was complicated about them. That's true. But you do give them like a lot of space. You give people a lot of space and there's sure. a lot of time sure. that yeah. you can work yeah. these things out. We're here for an hour. No one, you're not leaving the office. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess now that you're back in, do things ever go horribly? Like, does it, I don't know. Nah. I don't think I've ever listened no. to an episode and gone, well, that felt like they probably left with a curt goodbye. Like I don't feel that. Well, I feel well like you know, I very... mean, you, well, I mean, you know, there are things that they're strained, but mm-hmm. you know, like with BJ Novak, where you know we've had a history of my weird, jealous, spiteful tension with that guy, <laughs> and you know, and not really knowing what his particular, you know, he, you know, he's obviously good at something. He's able to do everything relatively well but i don't know what's in there there's this generation of people you know because really you know ambition is not a point of view Mm -hmm. but there are are people who 
you know, are purely ambitious. Mm-hmm. And if they have a certain amount of talent to attach to that, they can go pretty far. But I don't know who they are. Right. So with BJ, you know, that episode was tense, but we both knew it was going to be that way. Okay. And I, and I and I think it came out nice. I, I do think we came to an understanding. I don't know who that's important to. Maybe only me. Right. But, uh, but you know. And I guess it's different, too, because you definitely have people who, you know, like like PR people are like, you should do Mark Maron. And then yeah. I guess it has to come your way and you have to go, well, I have a vague interest in this. Or well, of course now, interested, right. but now, but now it's like a business that's real. Sure. But like, it's so, like, I just got to really believe I can talk to them. Like yeah. there's a lot of people I interview. I'm like, yeah, they're interesting. I don't know. I haven't watched any of that stuff, but I can go watch it. Right. You know right. what I mean? Because I'm curious. It's really yeah. about who I can talk to and whether I'm even a little bit interested in. Right. And, you know, if I don't know a lot about them, that's not an obstacle if I'm interested or right. I think they can talk. Right. Because, you, know, you know, we work with bookers and, you know, yeah. and I know when people come on my show where, you know, I know the people that did their homework. And they're like, oh, big fan. I listened to, you know, and I'm like, did you? Oh, oh yeah. There's always the people, and uh, I guess I'm guilty of it in a way, but I do listen to your podcast, But because I, I just listened to you, so that episode is like hot off the presses for me, so I am talking about it. But it is always like, oh my God, I love your show, and then they'll say one thing from the first episode out of 200, <laughs> and you're like, I know that you, that's yeah. like a lot of agent, that's like agent yeah, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, so you really like that, our second show of the first season? That's great. The one from 2016. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> the, that you just <laughs> watched for the first time okay that's exactly awesome i feel super valued <laughs> yeah, exactly but you play you, along yeah you do well it's like yeah. you know it's the job it's like guided by interest but it is also you know it is also a job they're they're disarming you they think they're disarming you they think that when they say that you're right. gonna be like oh thank you oh oh well, you're like oh you don't know anything about yeah that. and so you have to present like you're so flat oh my god you watch my thank you yeah, so yeah. much oh my god i didn't realize <laughs> you know when like, it's authentic though yeah we're like this part this is a, this is ridiculous can we dispense with this part Let's yeah but that's that part of like if that makes them feel comfortable so what you know I get that a lot. I get a lot of that with like, because I have three kids. I get a lot of like, you're a mom. <laughs> and then I know immediately that the person doesn't give a flying fuck what I do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at those, how the kids. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah they're, they're trying to derail it. Like yeah. they, they, those people that are like, you know, I love when they like start asking me questions. And I'll let that happen. Sure. Because sometimes like with Branna, I'm like, he's like, we're in this. And he's, you know, he's asking me for a real reason. Right. You know, to sort of move through this stuff. But some people just want to turn it around, you know, because it's easier. It's like, well, I don't know. What do you think about that? I'm like, oh, well, well, I've said it a million really, times I'm... what I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your movie again? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's yeah. talk exclusively about that. How do you choose? Now you have so much, you know, you've got a lot going on. How do you actually choose the things you want to, because we can just briefly touch on Glow, which I loved. Yeah. And mess. Like how, what, that process is so different so you're like playing a character you have a whole arc it's like episode 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 yeah. do you get nervous about that i'm first of all i'm sad that glow is over yeah Just personally I don't, it, it, it. I, I don't it was a great show it was a fun show it was mm-hmm. a good character it was a, like a little different than me but it was certainly within me to do that mm-hmm. that guy you know i always wanted to act and i i don't there for most of my career i didn't really have the opportunity because i don't know i, I didn't have an agent sure. I, I don't I, I didn't pursue it so like as these opportunities unfold like with that one it's something i wanted to do and you know i did it with marin the show i kind of learned how to be on camera and it was like an education but 
the more actors I talk to and sort of challenging myself to do these things when mm-hmm. I have opportunities that are appealing and that don't eat up so much time. I don't like the actor's wife. I mean, I'm not a guy that's sort of like, all right, so this shoots in Australia for two months in January. I'm like, I can't. I don't want to go. Do that. No, I don't want to. Mm-mm. What am I? Who's going to watch my house? Who's going to feed the cat? Who's the cats? I can't take them. Yeah, that's weird. It's a whole different life, you yeah. know. But that's that's their life. But I I have, you know, with acting, it is nerve wracking. I did a show. I did a movie in peak COVID that's not out yet. Where this guy wanted me to be this guy. Mm-hmm. He was a huge fan. It's his first movie. And it's me and Andrea Riceborough, who's like a, just a monster actress. Mm. And Allison Janney's in it. Stephen Root's in it. Like it's like crazy. He's shooting on film. Oh, you know, in two weeks, it was nuts. Okay. And like this guy wanted me to play this guy, you know, and it was nothing like me. This guy, and it, it was a Texan guy, and and I kept fighting him. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't, you know, I don't want to do the accent. Yeah. And it's COVID, and you know. But I realized in that moment, like, dude, if you want to do acting. You know, you're going to have to risk it and challenge yourself. Yeah. So, like, do it. And I, and I somehow convinced myself that being on a film set was safer than going to Ralph's, the grocery store. I think that's true. Yeah. So, like, I did it and I did the, uh, the, 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 what do you call it, coach, the language coach. Oh, yeah. The, like a dialect coach, yeah. Dialect yeah. coach. And we worked on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I figured out a way to get into it. And, you know, and I think I did all right. So, to answer your question, I... I don't know that I get scared, but I it's a different way of making myself vulnerable. And if I want to engage or learn any sort of craft around acting, I have right. to take these risks. And I and I, you know, welcome the opportunity to do it if it doesn't, you know, compromise my life too much and you right. know, it's good material. Right. I like that you I'm this exact same I'm like, I can't I don't life is very comfortable. I don't wanna be ready for my kids and my chaos. My house. My house. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Like if I go on the road, even when I tour, I don't go out for weeks on end. Mm-hmm. I go do three days and come home for two days, even, totally. if, even if it's like three days. But I just we just did a deal. I'm gonna I'm in a deal with FX to develop a show that I've created. Um, we don't have a, a series commitment or anything, uh-huh. but I don't think it, I, I think I can mention it. But we sold this show and right. we, we're going to begin that process. And I wrote it with a. Uh, it's an idea I've had for years, and I, you know, we I wrote it with this novelist friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Lipsight, who's mm-hmm. you know a brilliant writer, and it, you know, so that's exciting. We'll see what right. happens, but like, but right now it's like I'm, I, I feel like um, it's all I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Yeah, and it, and and I don't, I if it, if it shift if shit doesn't happen, I don't care. Right. Right. Okay, I we've we've, ta- we've been talking for over an hour, so I'm gonna like I just want to. Can I ask you just about your cats? Yeah, because I don't know. I'm a real. I'm a cat person. I'm a cat yeah. person. So what's? I'm a, I'm a my cat person, but yeah. Oh really? Okay. I'm all, I'm all, yeah. I'm obviously my cats, but I'm also other cats. I just like cats. Yeah, other cats. I'll be like that. Ah, That's right. fine. Yeah, look at that sad fat. Are cat. you gonna do? You gotta do a project with your cats. I tried. They're very hard to work with cats. They're hard. To work I mean, with. I was doing the, the. They had a prominent uh, role in the IG lives and yeah. on the show Marin. You know, yeah. we went through several cats. They're impossible to work with. I mean, <laughs> there should have been. Like uh, inside Llewellyn da- Davis, that uh, yeah. that Coen Brothers yeah. movie with the, with that cat, I'm like that deserves all the special awards because cats aren't dogs, man. And you know you got these professional mm-hmm. animal people who like bring the cats over. It's like they're cats. You can't do anything with cats. They're gonna do whatever the fuck they want to do. I gotta tell you, we watched. We never not like an AGT family. Like I don't want to watch stuff like that. But my my kids wanted to watch it, so we ended mm. up watching like a season of America's Got Talent. And there was one act that I liked. It was like a cat act. 
Yeah. They fucking trained these cats. These two women trained these cats. And the things they did were incredible to me. Like, I was jaw dropped. Like, I was wow. like, on the floor. I couldn't have never seen anything like it. Now I got to go watch it. You should. They're, it's, it's actually amazing. I just built my cats a catio <gasps> onto my house. Oh my god! Like a little run outside. Well, it's a, it's a cage with shelves oh. that they can kind of hang out in because I can't let them out with the coyotes no. and shit around here in cars. No, no, no. You so I literally that. it's attached to the side of my house on the f- side of the front porch, you know. And I just had it built. I found plans for it, and I just open the window and they go hang outside all day. This is nice. Oh, I love uh, that. You know what? I love. But they're good. I love a person good who cats. loves a cat. It's just uh, it's meaningful to me. <laughs> I like them. They get a bad rap. I love my cats. Yep. I love them. Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, they're just, you know, I, I had to put two down mm-hmm. in the last few years. And like, you know, you just kind of, that was, that was hard. Because you start to realize, like, those two old ass cats, yeah. they were the longest relationships I ever had. Oh. I mean, they were 16 years old. Yeah. And I had them, both of them at three months. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, and they were feral. They were, you know, with me for a lot of shit. Yeah, when my son was born, I had a cat. My had to put my cat down, and he was twenty-one. I was like, this cat has good. been with me since I was like the most troubled version of myself my whole entire life, right? longest relationship by far. Yeah, and like a very loyal companion, like a fucking great yeah. companion. It's very, very hard, very difficult. Yeah, I have loved talking to you. Thanks for doing my nice podcast. To you. I can't believe you yeah. said yes. I'm happy that you did. This was very good, very fun. How's it going for you, the podcast? Listen, I love it. It's like totally different. I mean, it's not totally different. It's very. It's a different format from the show. But I like really love talking to people, and I think I'm guided by my own interests. So it's really fulfilling yeah. to me. I don't actually know if anyone listens to it, but I like it's personally fulfilling, right. and I actually think that's. The yeah, key it's nice to enjoy, and it gets you talking to people. Talking That's one of the people. things that I like about it. It's yeah. like you have a social life. Social life, yeah. It's <laughs> all. It's all I really need. Then I can just go back to my family yeah. and my cats, and I'm like, hey, everyone, goodbye, world. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to a couple people today. Yep, I did it. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I hope you have a great day and too. all of that. And I hope your special gets uh, that I can watch it on well, TV. I hope we make one. I I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye. I just need one more quick ad break. Okay, very good. Very good conversation. <laughs> a podcasting nice. legend. Yes. He doesn't do a lot of these. Oh, I love that he came on. Maybe I should start listening to podcasts. <laughs> you really should. You really, really should. I know I talked about one specific episode of his show, but you really should listen to it. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Uh, well, I did listen to a lot of his in preparation okay. for his joining There you us. go. There, there you go. go. Okay, that's good. Uh, but as you know, his show has been on for over a decade and oh. as such has had almost 1,300 episodes, which is crazy. Our little show has a lot of catching up to do. Oh, wow. Uh, but that's not really just a lot for a podcast. That would be a lot of episodes for a TV show, too. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to see if you could figure out which of these TV shows has had more than 1,000 episodes. More than 1,000 more than episodes. a thousand episodes. <laughs> More than a thousand episodes. Okay. Okay. I'm All up right. for this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sesame Street. More than a thousand. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. They've had more than a thousand. For yeah, sure. they've had uh, more than 4,600, and it's been on the okay. air since 1969. So 
Yeah. It's I mean, a, it's I've a been given. watching it. Yeah. I've watched it. It's been <laughs> a part of my for life. 50 years. Well, probably about. I have. <laughs> I mean, 52. I was yeah. born in 1969 and wow. uh, definitely no one took care of me for the first like 10 years. So I watched a lot of it. <laughs> Sesame Street is one of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. Um, it's a third parent. Uh, yes, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Nice. Uh, next up is another huge institution, uh, the Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. Show. Oprah. Well, she was on five goddamn days a week mm-hmm. for a long time. So five days a week, probably. <laughs> Get your calculator out. <laughs> let me see. It's probably, gee, that's like, you know, that's a solid between 150 and 200 episodes. Well, she probably took the summers off. So let's say 150 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> carry, that's a carry, lot. Carry the one. <laughs> Kara, the one, I think that Oprah did more than a 1,000. She definitely did. She did 4,561. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's so like Sesame Street. Yeah. less than Sesame Street. And she wow. and that was only on the air from 1986 through 2011. Hardest working lady in oh, show wow. business. <laughs> she Until Sam has on. earned. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she has earned that tea room. Did you guys watch the Adele thing? I was like, she was like, no. there's my tea room. I'm like, uh, what? She's an outbuilding just for tea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anyone had oh. one, it would be Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's tea rituals in there. They go rituals. on even if she doesn't want it. They're just like, just get it ready in case she wants to get a tea. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole staff dedicated to the tea. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. What about a favorite of yours, The Simpsons? Mm-hmm. The Simpsons. Well, they've been on for like over 30 years. Mm-hmm. So one episode a week, probably a season of... <laughs> I don't think they've done a thousand episodes. You're correct. They I, have not. Yeah. Almost there. They have over would, 700. And yeah, they've yeah. been on since 89. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I calculated it in my head and I came to 650. Yeah, you're very so brain man. Very close. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. This is not a this is not a skill that I was aware <laughs> that I had. Okay. 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 Um I don't know if you're a soap opera person, but um as the world turns, the old uh, soap opera. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, my one? husband was uh my husband was on Whoa. As the world turns. That's amazing. <laughs> Yep, he played Dr. Kittredge. For over a psychiatrist. For over a thousand episodes. (laughs) He was not, it was not like a big part, but he was a part of the murder of another character. Wow. An accomplice. Yeah, he was, yeah, he gave someone deadly pills or something like that. I don't remember. The worst kind. (laughs) I think he was on for maybe 10 episodes or something like that. He was getting recognized for it in Times Square. People were like, (gasps) Dr. Kittredge. It's you. You're a doctor. And a murderer. (laughs) And a murderer. (laughs) Definitely more than a thousand episodes. That show is, those shows are just, they're just workhorses. Yeah. It's been Mm -hmm. on the air since 1956 and Mm -hmm. then ended in 2010. 13,858 episodes. Wow. Yes. All the clickety-clacking of those little high heels all over those glossy floors. I was just never millions. I was never a world turns person, but my family was a Young and the Restless family. Ah, me too. Ah, allegiances. Mm-hmm. Yep. I used to come home after the end of the school day, and my grandmother would be like, oh, God, that Victor Newman. <laughs> my mom <laughs> he that is, too. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> she taught, my mom used to do that too and like talk about them like they were part of the family. Like you would not believe what Victor Newman did. <laughs> it's like Victor Newman, the man from The Young and the Restless. Like, yes. The mustache man? <laughs> that Correct. Bastard. Bastard. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, uh, last but not least, Grey's Anatomy. Still on the air. Still on the air. I feel like it's been on for oof, long time. Has it done 20 seasons? Maybe. Maybe that's, you know, you're going to put it around. I don't think they've done a thousand. No, they've done 385. But they have been on seemingly forever. They have been on forever, but, you know, a regular season of television, and that has changed a lot, is like 22, 23, 26 Mm. annually. So even if they were on for 20 years, they're very shy of the thousand (laughs) required to qualify. I'm going to throw you a bonus. Okay. What about Full Frontal with Samantha Bee? Oh, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Our show... On December 8th is our 200th episode. I can't believe we've done it 200 times. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. It feels like, like a thousand. Like I can. My body tells me that we've done a thousand. My spirit and soul tells me. Your blazer closet tells you. It does. Boy, there's a lot of blazers there. Every one of them is a gem. <laughs> Not everyone, but almost. It's like a little family. Okay, it's a little family of clothing things that I put on my back. <laughs> Okay, well, I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. And if you didn't, that's fine. Please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow Full Release and Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Why not? Spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullrelease at sambi.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes. Bonus, exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune in to Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS. They've done this like 200 times. We really know what we're doing now. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Spina Baron Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by Hightech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. Your hair looks really good. Did you do something different? It looks it looks good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank no you. time. I sorry, just, sorry. I, I did I what we her. call an art. Do compliments on your own time. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat. <laughs>